This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. I think it's very, very important um, that we understand what we need to do in the coming years before the Lord comes. I do not intend to get preachy and spit on anybody, but I want to speak to you from my heart. Um, I will not, um, well, let's just hop to it. Everybody say, let's hop to it. Open your Bibles with me. You can stand with me while we read a verse of Scripture. Um, Raphael, let's read Matthew 26. I know I gave it to you last, but let's read Matthew 26, and then we'll come back to it at the end. Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany, everybody say Bethany. Remember something. Bethany was called a place of misery. Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. Now, it recognizes him as Simon the leper, but not everybody would be in his house if he was still leper. They still had leprosy. Nor would he be in his home if he had leprosy. But he identified him as the one who was healed, Simon the leper. There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For, the, for she hath wrought a good work upon me. Notice the direction of the scripture of what it's saying here and in what direction things are being said. So when Jesus understood, he heard somebody say something, the disciples say one thing, and he said, for she hath wrought a good work upon me. Notice that direction. Um, For, I don't want to get ahead of myself. For ye have the poor always with you, but me... Have ye not always? For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. And that's a beautiful verse of scripture talking about the coming of the Lord, or not the coming of the Lord, but him dying on a cross, and she anointed his body for burial, which was customary at that time. So he said, he, She has poured this body out for my burial. In verse number 13, verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached. In the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial for who? For her. Everybody say for her. Notice the directions of the words in this scripture. She poured ointment upon Jesus. But then Jesus looked at her and said, this is a memorial for all of you all to remember 
unto her. And I think, or of her. So I want to preach. I don't have a title. I called it Memorial Day. <laughs> Just whatever. I don't know. I, I may title it for the podcast later on. But I want us to pray right now and ask the Lord to help us. And um, so let's do that right now. Jesus, mighty God, we love you today. I feel a heaviness in my spirit. Lord, I pray that when I'm done, this can be lifted. Help us today, Jesus. I, I know it's a time of celebration, Lord, and it's picnics and hot dogs and, and all this stuff, and that's fine and great, and we're going to be playing games and stuff like that later, Lord, but and I, I feel like, Lord, sometimes in a service like this, our minds are only there. And I, I don't want to intend to put people's minds there. But I, I do know one thing, God. If, we, if our willpower here today could be mindful of your word just for a little while and let the things later take care of itself, we'll be, we'll be okay. So, Lord, I ask you to anoint this word here today. It is uh, it's already anointed. But, Lord, help me, Lord, to, to speak what your word has to say. And everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I will not give up on God. Do I have a witness with me here today? I will not give up on God. I will not give up on his word. The tomb of the unknown soldier at Arlington National Cemetery stands atop a hill overlooking Washington, D.C. If you've had the pleasure to visit this cemetery, it's an incredible, incredible sight. It's quite a walk to go to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. When my family went there a couple years ago, we made the trek and we go up a hill and, and you can follow signs, just follow the crowd and you will find this scene played out. You'll find that the men will make a cadence back and forth. And I don't want to go into all the details of, of all the things that they do. And it's a beautiful thing. And But the one thing that I remember about being at that tomb of the unknown soldier is the quietness, the respect, and the awe that comes across the crowd. On March the 4th, 1921, Congress approved the burial of an unidentified American soldier from World War I in the plaza of the new Memorial Amphitheater. The white marble sarcophagus that you see in the picture on the screen here today has a flat-faced form and is relieved at the corners and along the sides by a neoclassic pilasters, column says, or columns set into the surface. Sculpted into the east panel, which faces Washington, D.C., are three Greek figures representing peace, victory, and valor. The six wreaths, three sculpted on each side, represent the six major campaigns of World War I. And inscribed on the back of the tomb are the words, Here rests in honor glory an American soldier known but to God. The tomb sarcophagus was placed above the grave of the unknown soldier in World War I. West of the World War I unknown uh, are the crypts of unknown from World War II. 
Korea, and Vietnam. Those three graves are marked with white marble slabs flush with the plaza floor, which hopefully you can see right behind the wreath. Three men are identifying, but one is the unmarked or unknown soldier. Behind, if you stand and facing, if you were standing on the steps right where this picture was taken, behind you is a called the Memorial Amphitheater. The Memorial Amphitheater at Arlington National Cemetery was dedicated on May 15, 1920, while many ceremonies are conducted throughout the country. Many consider the services at Arlington's Memorial Amphitheater to be the nation's official ceremonies to honor all American service members who keep who have served and keep the United States free. I began to get on the website of the uh, of the Arlington National Cemetery, and it says that about 5,000 visitors attend each of the three major annual memorial services in this amphitheater. In fact, when I went to there, I was able to stand where presidents stand. You can stand and walk through this amphitheater, and you can see where the presidents and people that would stand behind that pulpit to give speeches, that the, the surface of that is worn because people will stand there and begin to speak, and you can see. And I began to stand in that spot, and the kids were with us, and we began to have such reverence about what this uh, facility means to our country. The services, the memorial services in this amphitheater, they take place on Easter, Memorial Day, and Veterans Day, and are sponsored by the U.S. Army Military District of D.C. of Washington. On Easter sunrise, service begins at 6 a.m. Memorial Day and Veterans Day services always begin at 11 a.m. Many military organizations also conduct annual memorial services in the amphitheater. We find that in when they built this amphitheater, President Woodrow Wilson placed a cornerstone on October 13, 1915 of this place. And in that cornerstone there was a box. And that box is filled with many things to declare what this place would represent. The first thing that they put in that box was a Bible. Second thing they put in that box is the Declaration of Independence. Another was the U.S. Constitution. They also put a flag in it from 1915. The designs and plans for the amphitheater was there. There was other things and other memorabilia that was put in the cornerstone of this amphitheater. The reason why they put such documents, the reason why they put such a, a, a thought into that cornerstone is because they wanted everybody to remember why that amphitheater was there. They wanted it to be built upon a cornerstone of truth and dedication to the service members who have fallen. The amphitheater is constructed mainly of quarried Danby marble. The marble in a memorial uh, display room is imported from Italy. The memorial display room between the amphitheater and the tomb of the unknown soldier houses plaques and other tributes presented in honor of the four service members interred into or at the tomb of the unknown soldier. There is a chapel that you can visit that we were able to walk down into. In fact, I think a portion of it was roped off. You can walk into and you can see of the, of the wonderful stories and the things in this chapel of, uh, of what this amphitheater 
would be, it would be beneath the amphitheater stage where this little chapel was. Find that George, uh, General George Washington in June 26, 1775, a letter to the Provincial Congress is inscribed in the apse of this area. It says, when he assumed a soldier, we did not lay aside the citizen. The following from President Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address is inscribed above the stage. It says, we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. And etched above the west entrance of the Memorial Theater, there is a Latin uh, phrase that is translated, it is sweet and fitting to die for one's country. God designed and created our bodies. He put one of the most important parts of our body in our head. Everybody point to your head. He created an organ that was responsible for coordinating and controlling our bodily activities and also exercising our emotions and our thoughts. Soft and wrinkled like our fingertips would be after a long hot bath. Average human brain contains some 100 billion neurons. These neurons are the nerve cells that conduct the chemical and electrical traffic inside our body. At any given moment, like right now, millions of impulses are streaking along the neurons and synapses in our skull. These streaking impulses cause our nerve cells to fire, and this is the basis of all our perceptions, our thoughts, our emotions, and yes, our memories. I read this in an article that says that until recently, scientists believed that the brain stored memories in just like one of a uh, one part of the brain, like which acted like a warehouse full of rows and rows and neatly or, uh, or, uh, ordered filling or filing cabinets. But they now know that memories are not stored in one part of the brain. Rather, the brain stores memories like a maze full of twists and turns. Each time a, per a particular memory is recalled, the twists and turns rearrange themselves to bring that particular memory into focus. So it is impossible to say which part of the brain stores the memories as the whole brain stores memories. The whole brain rearranges itself. The electrical impulses running through it into a particular pattern when it recalls a memory. The whole brain rearranges these impulses into that particular pattern when it recalls that memory. The brain is not a computer where we just, you just click on the proper icon to call up a desired document from a brain's hard disk. Rather, memory, everybody say memory, depends on several brain systems working in concert across many levels of this organism. So when God designed the memory function in our brains, he created two complementary processes. The first process was learning something new. How many like to learn something new? But the second one is the second was later on recalling the experience we had just learned. Now, if you're like in my home, my wife and I will debate on whose memory is the best sometimes. Especially when we had a conversation six months to a year before. 
we will discuss who was right and who was wrong. But sometimes you have to get a third party involved to understand really who was right and who was wrong. Because our memory does not quite line up the way we'd hope to sometimes. There was a story of a man who could not recall much, and he was just like me and you, but he had an accident, and he had a brain injury, and then all of a sudden he was able to recall every single thing he ever looked at. He could remember the clouds, how they were formed on any given day. He could remember exactly what, what, what outfit he wore many years prior. He, he could remember every single detail of everything. But the, 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 the end result of that man is that he died a miserable death. It's because he could, not, he could not deal with all the memories that were stacked on one on top of another. The Bible says and teaches us that the Lord created this brain. And then he would put things in our life to help us to remember what those things stood for. The Bible says it in many different ways, but I want to use the phrase here today that it's not in every scripture, but it says in the Bible, let this be a memorial to you. In other words, you may not remember everything that I will say, but this thing I want you to remember as a memorial. In other words, I want you to set up a place. Set up a time in your mind. Set up something even in your home. Set up something in your life that you can return to that you will remember exactly what has been done in this place. Second Chronicles 7.14, it teaches us that his work, he wants to have a perpetual work in our life. The only way that perpetual work can happen in our life is if we set up an everyday consultation with the Lord Jesus Christ. Bible is very simple and very very simple for us to understand when it says that he wants to talk to us not once a week, not once a year, but he wants to talk to us daily. He wants to hear from his people daily. In other words, go back to a place of an altar. Let that altar be a memorial that you can remember who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Paul says, I die Daily, he, In other words, he says, I go back to an altar to remind me of what he's done for me. Take me back to the cross once again, God, that I may never soon forget what you have done. There are many memorials throughout Scripture. There are many things that we find in Luke chapter number 22, verse number 19. He said he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, make it a memorial. As often that you do it, as many times as you do it, the Bible is not clear on how many times we should do it. But when you do it, you do it as a remembrance of me. Remember that I died on the cross for you. Remember that I bore the snails in my hands and my feet. Uh, remember the cross. Remember the, the crown of thorns that are upon my head. Remember. Do this in remembrance of me. Passover in Exodus chapter number 12. It says, and thus, verse number 11 through 14, and thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. 
it is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all odds of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. And when I smite the land of Egypt, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. In other words, when you begin to have a feast and when you begin to set things, don't you forget that he smote the enemy. Don't you forget that the Egypt that pursues you, that the Egypt and the sins that so easily besets you, God has already won the victory. He has already done what he needs to do. All we now need to go back and say, I seen what you did and I'm going to celebrate today because the Bible says, Lord, you are no respecter of person and you you are Alpha and you are Omega and you're everything in between. And if you did it for children of Israel, you can do it for me. So let it be a memorial to you that I saved you out of the sin that you were in. Let it be a memorial that I brought you out of the land of Egypt. That you remember this. My wife, we were getting ready for church today. We were talking about the service and talking about memorial, and she said, what scripture is Joshua taking the 12 stones out of the Jordan River? And just so happened I had already studied that scripture last night, and I said, well, that's in Joshua 4, 4 through 7. I sounded really smart because I didn't tell her that I had studied that. I said, yeah, it's Joshua 4, 4 through 7. Let me just kind of impart you some wisdom. Then I told her I'm not that smart. I couldn't recall that that quickly. Because I studied it the night, night before. But the Bible says, Then Joshua called the twelve men, whom he had prepared the children of Israel out of uh, every tribe, a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder. This was not a small stone. I couldn't see them picking up a pebble and putting it on their shoulder. had to be a stone that had a little bit of weight to it. Had to be a stone that they had to pull out of the muck and the mire and the, and the junk of that Jordan River. All the clay, perhaps, they had to weed through when they saw a small stone, but then they had to unearth it a little bit and pull up a stone. And the Bible says they would have put it up on their shoulder and they would carry the, that stone. Bible says, pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask your fathers in time to come saying, what mean ye by these stones? And then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial 
unto the children of Israel forever. You want your children to be raised in the admonition of the Lord? You want the next generation to walk with God? Then you need to start setting up some memorials. You need to have anchor down in a time of prayer and dig up a stone and says, my God has brought me out of darkness into this marvelous life. God has saved my soul. God has provided for us. God is the ever-present help in a time of need. Therefore, what I offer sacrifice and a memorial before the Lord for not only for me, but for the next generation to come. I want my children to walk with God. I have to have a walk with God. If I want my children to have a life of holiness, I have to have a life of holiness. If I want my children to have a prayer life, I got to have a prayer life. Y'all said right on the one. Now you didn't say anything on the second, on the third one there. I'm going to say that again. If I want my children to have a prayer life, I got to have a prayer life. I'm going to go over here. If I, need my, I want my children to have a prayer life, they need to hear you praying. They need to see you studying the Word of God. It's a great compliment, compliment to me. When my daughter, somebody says something to her, it's like, where's dad? He's probably in the office studying. Because you know what? I want that ingrained in them uh, that daddy's got his Bible open. Uh, his eyes are in the word of God and, and he is studying and he is praying. Because that is a memorial that I hope they never soon forget. I remember hearing my mama praying. I remember hearing my dad pray. I remember seeing my father lean back in the recliner, have the word of God open, studying the word. And not soon after that a nap would ensue, but he was studying the word. There are certain things that we want to etch into the next generation's mind. And what you do today is exactly what you're etching into their spirit, into the heart. The disciplines that you instill in them now are the ones they're going to have instilled in them in the next generation and the generations to come. We can't blame anybody but ourselves if we don't set up the proper memorials in our lives. I said we can't blame anybody but ourselves if we do not set up the proper memorials in our life. There are many more in Scripture of different memorials and remembering a particular moment that needs to stay for the generations to come. But the one that I want to focus on today is found that I read in Matthew chapter number 26, and I will not be much longer. Found in the New Testament. Somebody said the New Testament. And it deals with Jesus. And it deals with an understanding. It deals with the spirit of humanity. It deals with the will of somebody versus the will of disruption. It deals with judgment. It deals with pity. It deals with somebody that is weak, but somebody that also is strong. Matthew 26, let's read it again. Now when Jesus was 
in the place of misery, in a home and in a city that was called misery, in a place of Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. I find that Matthew 6, uh, in the house of Simon the leper, that was a place of a memorial in a place of misery because there was a testimony of a man that used to have leprosy but now no longer had leprosy. I'm here to tell you today that every single word in Scripture, let it be a memorial to us to understand that no matter where I may live, God is at hand in working the miraculous. Came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and it poured on his head. And as he sat at meat, to picture with me, if you will, Jesus sitting at a table, or perhaps sitting. It was customary. A lot of times they would sit on the floor and they would eat, not necessarily at a table. They would sit at a table not like we understand today. It may be a lower table. And they would sometimes, if you look at pictures, you'll see people kind of laying down while they eat. And they would stay there and he was sitting at this table. The Bible says this woman who had this ointment went unto Jesus as he sat to eat. And she began to pour this ointment upon his head. But when the disciples saw the waste, somebody say waste, for this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. How noble it was for the disciples to say, you know that could have been done a lot better if you gave it to somebody who was in need. How noble it is to give, it is to give to the poor. And I'm not preaching against giving to the poor. But before you can give to the poor, you got to give to Jesus. And I am not talking about taking up an offering. I'm talking about a life that I don't care who's sitting at the table with Jesus. I don't care what house it's in. I don't want care what city it's in. I'm going to find Jesus and I'm going to pour unto him what is due unto him. My God. I said we're going to pour unto Jesus uh, what is due unto Jesus. Uh, That means everything of my life that is precious, uh, everything in my spirit uh, that is worth anything, i got to find the master, find out where he's. If I have to interrupt him talking to somebody else, uh, i got to press to the crowd uh, like the woman with the issue of blood and say, I want to touch Jesus no matter the cost. Why, of all the memorials in the Bible, Pastor, why do you want to go to this one? Why is this important memorial? It's because it's at the feet of Jesus and the principle that he gave in this scripture. Let's read on. Let's find out. And when Jesus, what's verse number 9, when this, for this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, In other words, he looked at the disciples, looked at the woman, felt the oil, and he says, these guys have no clue what is going on. Let me tell you something. There are people, when you give all to God, you will be criticized, you will be ridiculed, and you'll be pushed into a corner. But that's when you got to come out fighting and say, "Ah, I'm going to give God everything I've got anyway. 
I'm going to serve God anyway. I'm going to live for him anyway. I'm going to stand upon his word anyway. I'm going to preach the gospel unto salvation anyway. I'm going to stand on the doctrine of holiness anyway. I'm going to believe in baptism in Jesus' name anyway. Going to pursue Jesus in all things in this life. All the things that I have been praying and considering this week fell in the word of God and I felt in my spirit to pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. I said pursue Jesus. When times get hard, pursue Jesus. When decisions loom, pursue Jesus. Don't look at the neighbors and don't look at people around you. I don't care what other people are doing. I'm going to pursue Jesus. And I believe and I'm talking about a personal walk with God. People may criticize. People may bring judgment into my life. But I'm here to tell you, I'm going to pursue Jesus Christ. And the holiness of God. And the beauty and the power of his might. Some in this room that will probably judge this message here today. But you will think that I'm preaching about one thing or another. What I'm preaching about right now is pursuing Jesus. Everything comes out of pursuing God. My soul is perfected in God. My spirit is perfected in God. My joy is perfected in God. My love is perfected in Jesus Christ. I can be a disciple and look at everybody else. Or I can pour my ointment upon the throne and on the altar and ahead of Jesus Christ. There are other memorials that I will get to maybe down the line. But the first memorial that we need to have is Jesus Christ. Giving him our very best. I noticed that the disciples were not giving him his best. It's because they were concerned about everybody else. The Bible teaches us that she poured out this ointment on my body. In verse number 12, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever the gospel shall be preached in all the world, there shall also this, and this is why I'm preaching this message today, because these are Jesus' words. He says, wheresoever the gospel shall be preached in the whole world. In other words, the good news, the message of salvation, the, 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 the message of separation, the message of, uh, of the coming of the Lord. No matter what the gospel is, the good news, or whatever it is, wherever the gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, uh, that this woman hath done to be told for a memorial for her. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this. This is what Jesus is looking for. Jesus is looking for those uh, that will shun the crowd, shun the obstacles, and say, let me get to Jesus. Uh, let me touch the hem of his garment. I'm not going to get caught up in certain things. I'm going to pursue Jesus Christ. Where does it start? For me, it starts at the feet of Jesus. Everything comes out of the seat of Jesus. She anointed Jesus' body for a burial, but this act was a memorial unto her. If you want to be remembered, if you want to be revered, what is it that you want others to see? What are they going to be looking at through the course of history and the quarters of your life? 
What will the end produce in the manuscript of your life? Will your life show that you give all that you had to the kingdom? Will your life show that you poured yourself at the feet of Jesus? Or will you be remembered as the observer sitting across the table, scoffing and judging at the person who gave all? Many will do things in his name, the Bible says, trying to make something of themselves. But it's those that will be hungering for the attention of God at the last days. I'm here to preach a simple message today on Memorial Day. And I want us to remember and we can remember a lot of things and a lot of memorials throughout the, the New Testament. And I, there's a lot of wonderful things teaching on a lot of great things. And I will not negate those things. But the first thing that we have got to realize is that we need to have a, have a moment with Jesus. And we need to sit at his feet and give him our best. Hear this pastor here today. Greatest thing that you can do is to give your life to Jesus, is to give your very best to Jesus. I am not upset in this message. I'm just telling you where I stand as far as where we need to start. We need to start at the face and the feet of Jesus Christ. Before we go the rest of this year in this church, we need to start back at the feet of Jesus. I'm struggling with a few things about how to move this church forward. And I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about holiness. I'm talking about something that we got to reset in this church. And that is finding ourselves at the foot of Jesus Christ. We need to reset our prayer. We need to reset our attitudes. We need to reset our focus here today and say that Jesus Christ is the only thing that I need to memorialize today. I can memorialize the, the things that this world memorializes. We appreciate the tomb of the unknown soldier. We appreciate the memorial amphitheater. We appreciate all the things that I've mentioned. But the greatest thing that we could do in our life is to be called a saint of the Most High God and say that brother or sister believed Jesus Christ and anything else didn't matter. I'm here to tell you today, if we want to be a revival church, we have got to be like the woman that had the alabaster box and say, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Let me have his attention. I think at times we get our eyes, and I include myself in this, we include our eyes, and we allow ourselves to be tempted by looking at other things like a disciple did instead of the face of Jesus. I don't know about you, but there was a conundrum in that room when the Bible teaches us that she opened up an alabaster box and poured it upon the Lord. The disciples did not celebrate. The disciples did not clap or, or exalt one that would come, but they began to criticize of the one who gave all. 
what I'm here to tell you today, if all heaven rejoices when one gives themselves all to the Lord, the church needs to be the same spirit that when somebody comes down to an altar and pours out their precious ointment before the Lord, we do not need to look at them and say, oh, they're just doing that. No, we need to clap our hands. We need to worship God for one that is being poured out upon the feet of Jesus Christ. There are many memorials. I think this is the most important thing because everything comes out of the memorial of sitting at the feet of Jesus. You stand with me right now. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.